of us who will be going this week. We are all here because we love God and we love God's people. So let us stand now and share the love of God with one another. Let's pray together. O glorious, majestic God, who empowers us to be your people, we thank you for your presence today. We rely upon your spirit. We recognize our need for you and for your guidance so that we may be faithful people within the body of Christ and also in the world. We are your hands and your feet. We are the ones who minister in your name. So help us to be those hands and feet with love as our mission. Help us to be agents of love and goodness before anything else. It is our prayer that the world will know that we are Christians by our love. Indeed, today we acknowledge that love is the absolute calling in our lives. We are nothing without it. We cannot be community. We cannot be ourselves because our very nature is to be with one another. The church in Corinth so long ago forgot about this, and Paul had to remind them that it is love that holds us all together. So help us to learn from their errors how important it is that we live as a community under Christ. Guide us to be a welcoming community, to see that all are valued, 
that all have something to contribute to who we are. Guide us to know that nothing else matters. No prophecy, no teaching, no scripture matters when we do not base everything that we do on love. So help us, O God. Help us to love one another as you have loved us. For we pray these things in the name of the one who teaches us to love more fully every day. Amen.
bow with me in prayer. Our dearest and most heavenly Father, we come to you on this day, a day that you've given us. You give us the sunny days, you give us the cloudy days. Not because we need the sun and the rain, but because those are opportunities to spread your word, to help the, to help the lonely, to help the hurting, to grow your kingdom. We ask your blessings on these tithes and offerings of people's times, their talents, and their money. May they all be used to glorify you. In your name we pray. Bible scripture today is from 2 Corinthians um, chapter 4 verses 5 through 12. For we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That we have this treasure in clay jars, so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, 
but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our body. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. This is the word of the Lord. Than silver or gold, I'd rather be his that have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than work or land. I'd rather be led by his nail pierced hand. Than to be the king of a vast domain Or be held in sin's dread sway I'd rather have Jesus than anything Than his world of I'd rather have Jesus than means applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather
Thank you, Mark. Would you rather have Jesus than all of those things mentioned in that song? Yeah, it's a, he's a great treasure, isn't he? Um, how many of you know a guy named Luke Crafton? Bob's not raising his hand. <laughs> uh, Bob and Jika's son, Luke, who was here last week, is the, um, the director of digital content for the Antiques Roadshow. And they got to go up uh, a couple of weeks ago to uh, experience the Roadshow Live, the Roadshow Experience. And, uh, and in case you don't know, the, the Antiques Roadshow is the PBS TV show where people bring in things from their home to be appraised by professional appraisers to see if it's worth anything or not. And sometimes they find out what, that what they have has only sentimental value, and while at other times they discover that they have a treasure that's worth a lot of money. I, I did a, just a little brief Google search on this, and it... And it looks like the most precious, monetarily um, speaking, the most precious item that they've discovered thus far is a pocket watch worth over one and a half million dollars. Now think about that. Can you imagine bringing in your granddad's old pocket watch that's been stuck in the back of a drawer for decades and walking out a millionaire? Finding an unexpected treasure is exciting, isn't it? A few years ago, a brother and sister in London found an old vase that, while they were cleaning out their parents' home, and they thought it might be of some value, and so they hired a, an auction house to sell it. And when they did that, they, the, auction, the auction house did an appraisal of it, and they discovered that it was valued at about $2 million. But get this, after 30 minutes of bidding at the auction, this vase turned out to be which turned out to be an 18th century Qing dynasty vase, went to a buyer from China for more than $69 million. That's what I said. Wow. They had no idea what they had. And when the final bid was official, the brother and sister, they had to leave the room just to go catch their breath. Maybe that should. Uh, maybe we should spend a little time this afternoon cleaning out our attics and our closets. Some people get lucky like that sometimes, don't they? It's like a, there's a couple in Wyoming who went to the city dump, which I've spent a lot of time there the past couple of days at the city dump. But I didn't find any treasure there. But this couple in Wyoming went to the city dump to dispose of their their yard debris, and as they were ditching their junk. They saw a beautiful but worn old wooden headboard for a bed. And so the wife said, well, let's take that home and we can, we, can, uh, we can restore it. But as they were loading this heavy object, and it seemed really heavy to them, they were loading it onto the truck. The cap on one of the posts came off of the headboard and out poured dozens of gold coins from the late 1800s. It seems that both of the legs on this headboard had been hollowed out and filled with gold coins. I know what you're thinking. I know. Why can't something like that happen to me? 
Everybody loves a good story of successful treasure hunts, don't we? Well, today I would like to invite you on the greatest treasure hunt of all. It is a hunt for the treasure that surpasses all other treasures. And people don't recognize that it is the most desirable treasure of all because it is hidden in an innocuous and somewhat fragile clay jar. Now, why is it hidden in a clay jar and not displayed in an ornate jewelry case or something like that? Well, there's a reason. See if you can figure it out as we listen to our lesson from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians again. Paul writes, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made God's light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. Okay. So what is this treasure that Paul is describing? It is the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. In one of his parables, Jesus called this the pearl of great price. It was so valuable that many merchants, that that when a merchant found it, he went and sold everything that he owned to go and to buy that pearl. In other words, this is a treasure that is worth more than even the crown jewels of England or any other treasure on earth. And here's the thing. It can be the possession of anyone, even the humblest believer. And where does that light shine? It shines in our hearts. Now, what is this clay jar that contains this treasure? What is this earthen vessel that holds such a a precious treasure? It's you and me. It is anyone who believes in the message of Christ. Anybody who has ever, anybody, do you own anything in a clay jar? Any, anybody have anything made out of clay? An old flower pot? Yeah. If you have anything made out of clay, you know that it's, it's pretty cheap. You know, this terracotta flower pots, you know, it's, a, it's, it's pretty cheap. It's not very costly material. It's, it's, it's not like something made out of ivory or crystal or marble or, or even uh, uh, costly wood. And it's not particularly strong. If you drop that flower pot, guess what's going to happen? It's going to break. It's fragile. It's vulnerable. So why such a cheap, fragile container for such a valuable treasure? Well, Paul writes, we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So let's break down this lesson and make it practical for our lives this morning. The first thing we need to see concerning this treasure is that it is not something that we will find somewhere out there. So don't go rummaging through your attics and closets in search of this treasure of highest value. 
You won't find it there. Sometimes we try, don't we? So many of us are, are obsessed with finding meaning and, and purpose outside of our lives. We, we're always seeking a better job or a nicer neighborhood or a thinner body or, or travel abroad or designer clothes or prestigious automobiles or a beachfront condo. And the list goes on and on and on. And, and we buy all those self-help books and we get... We get on the latest fad, whatever that might be. We look at our horoscopes and we wait to meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright. We believe all the, uh, all the time that somewhere, sometime, somehow, if we position ourselves just right for a moment, then we will be fulfilled. But when Paul says that we have this treasure in jars of clay, he's saying that Meaning and purpose, and yes, even happiness, those things, they don't reside out there. Either we have them within our own hearts, or we don't have them at all. There was a funny movie back in the 1990s called Cool Runnings. You remember that movie? Cool Runnings. It was loosely based on a true story of the Jamaican national bobsled team. They made their de- debut in the, uh, in the Winter Olympics in 1988. John Candy played the former, um, a former American gold medalist who, had, uh, who became the coach for this Jamaican bobsled team. And he's very popular with the team. It was a funny movie. But later in the story, it was revealed that John Candy's character had disgraced himself by breaking Olympic rules while seeking his uh, second gold medal. He was disqualified from the Olympics after that. He was disqualified from further competition for cheating, and he retired in disgrace to Jamaica where he was leading a life of, of, of poverty, really, as a bookie. And then he was recruited to to coach this Jamaican bobsled team. His past sins almost resulted in the team being disqualified from the Olympics altogether, but one of the Jamaicans' uh, bobsledders, they couldn't understand why anyone who had already won a gold medal would cheat in the first place. Why would you cheat? You already have one gold medal. Why would you cheat trying to get another one? And so finally he asked the coach to explain this, and and Candy's character said, I just had to win. I had to win. But then he goes on and he says, but since then I've learned that if you're not happy without a gold medal, then you won't be happy with one. What an accurate statement that is. As someone has said, happiness is an inside job. If you don't have meaning and purpose and happiness and peace on the inside, then it doesn't matter what you have on the outside. You will not live an abundant life. Wealth and fame may satisfy some of your cravings, but but they will not give you a feeling of contentment and satisfaction. More than 250 years ago, uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau wrote an essay that still rings true today, I think. 
he contrasted the well-being of the so-called hunter-gatherer of history's early days to the the well-being of workers of his own time. And he stated that it was the hunter-gatherer and not, as everyone has grown used to believing, the modern worker who was better off. Now think about that. Let's let that sink in for a second. It was the hunter-gatherer. They were better off than the modern-day worker. His argument hung on a radical thesis because he suggested that being truly wealthy does not require having many things. Rather, it requires having what one longs for. And so wealth is not an absolute. It's relative to desire. He said every time we yearn for something that we cannot afford, we grow poorer whatever our resources may be. And every time we feel satisfied with what we have, we can be counted as rich, however little we may actually possess. There are two ways, he says, to make a person richer. Give that person more money or curb that person's desires. Modern societies have done the former spectacularly well, he says, but by continuously wetting people's appetites, they have the sa- at the same time managed to negate our successes. In other words, happiness and contentment are an inside job. Paul says that we have the, the greatest treasure within our hearts. So here's the second thing we need to see today. If we have this treasure within that Paul speaks about, then we can handle pretty much whatever may come our way from without. It's easy to see that we can't find happiness out there. But what happens if misfortune finds us? Well, let's listen again to what Paul has to say as he describes the effect of this treasure. He said, we are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Life can be cruel to us sometimes, can't it? We were talking about this just Wednesday night in our Bible study. Sometimes life just is not fair. But what Paul is saying to us is that if we have this treasure hidden in our hearts, then adversity cannot conquer us. We are told sometimes that success in life comes from making the right choices, and there is certainly a great deal of value that comes from making the right choices. But what about those things that happen to us that are not of our own choosing, that we didn't? We didn't want. We need something to sustain us when things get rough from the outside. Something that Paul had. Best-selling author and pastor and radio speaker David Jeremiah wrote a book um, titled A Bend in the Road. And it tells about how in the midst of a growing ministry, he was suddenly took the wind out of his sails, he was suddenly diagnosed with cancer. 
1994 and then again in 1998, Jeremiah um, was diagnosed with lymphoma. In 1999, a nodule was removed from his neck and he underwent stem cell transplant therapy. And in this book, Jeremiah basically just pours his heart out as he tells about the physical and emotional toll that this treatment had on him. And he speaks about his battle with pain and with nausea and and depression. His his cancer is currently in remission, but the doctors have told him that there's no guarantee. It could come back at any moment, or it may not. But this little book, the title of this book, it comes from an observation that he makes that, that sooner or later, we will all come to a bend in the road that we don't expect. Something that we, we're not looking for will come upon us. Something that we don't want. Something that we don't ask for and we can't put off. And maybe we have life all lined up and things are going in the right direction and then one day something happens and everything changes. And suddenly we have come to a bend in the road. And now life is moving in a direction that we did not anticipate nor desire. Paul knew about times like that. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but we are not destroyed. Paul had the resources that he needed to overcome all kinds of difficulties. And so do we. You see, he had that treasure, that light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And that allowed him to overcome whatever obstacle life threw in front of him. And this brings us to the last thing to be said this morning. First of all, meaning and purpose are are not something that we find out there. Either you have it or you don't. Secondly, this is a treasure that will help us to keep going when the going gets tough. And then finally, we need to understand that this treasure is not found by by looking in so much as it is in looking up. When we say that happiness comes from within, and it does, we don't mean that the way to personal contentment is, is to begin by looking within yourself. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. And, and there's some value with introspection and meditation. But the path to ultimate fulfillment begins by looking to the one who is the source of life. The path to inner peace is not simply a matter of getting in touch with our feelings, as valuable as that may be, but getting in touch with our Heavenly Father. It comes by knowing that the emptiness you may feel within can be feel can be filled by someone who loved you before you were even born god god william frey a retired episcopal bishop once told a story from his younger years when he volunteered to read to a college student who was blind. 
student's name was John. And one day Frey asked John how he happened to, to lose his sight. And John said it was a, a chemical ex- explosion when I was 13 years old. And Frey asked him, well, how did that make you feel? John said, I, I felt like my, my life was over. I was helpless. I hated God. He said, for the, six, for the first six months, I did nothing to improve my life. I wouldn't even come out for dinner. I would eat all my meals alone in my room. But then one day, my, my father came into my room and he said, John, winter's coming. The storm windows need to go up. That's your job. And I want those things hung by the time I get back home this evening. And then he turned and walked out of the room and slammed the door. John said, I got so angry. I was so mad at him. I thought, who in the world does, does he think I am? I'm blind. I was so angry, in fact, that I decided I was going to do it. I was going to put those windows up. And so I felt my way along to the garage and I found the windows and I located all of the necessary tools and I found the ladder and all the while I was muttering under my breath, I'll show them, I'll fall and then they'll have a blind and paralyzed son. John said, I got the windows up. And then he finishes his story with these powerful and helpful words. I found out later that my father was never more than four or five feet away from me the whole time. So how do we find this treasure that surpasses all other treasures in the world? Well, first of all, we need to recognize that that there's nothing in this, in this world on the outside that can give us what we really desire. Secondly, we understand that one thing that makes this treasure so valuable is that even though we are fragile clay jars, we have, if we have this treasure within us, we can cope with just about anything that life throws at us. And many of you know that. You've experienced it. And finally, we recognize that to have this treasure, we need not look inwardly and certainly not outwardly. But we need to look to God, a Father who is always with us, right by our side, never more than four or five feet away. with us always, regardless of what our circumstances might be. We have this treasure in jars of clay, says Paul, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. I am so thankful that our God is that kind of God who watches over us and who gives us the strength that we need through the light of Christ to overcome hardship. That is truly a treasure, isn't it? Amen.
Let us sing together um, what a friend we have in Jesus. We'll sing all three verses of this wonderful song because it, this song is, is just a capstone for this, this message that I've been trying to present to you today. Um, because Jesus is there in our time of need. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. What peace we often forfeit. What needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. God's there for us. And God has the resources that we need to overcome the hardships of life. So let's take it to Jesus. Let's take it to God in prayer and depend upon the resources that God has available to us.
sisters and brothers of Christ, go into all the world, go with forgiveness and grace, go forth with compassion and with love, knowing that God goes with us no matter what we face. We go as Christ's family for all the world to see. Amen. Amen. <laughs> 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 <laughs>